Speaking. Speaking. Why? Do words Why do words sound different on this microphone? Louder here just like me. Okay, wait, wait, let me try it again. Is that better or is it the same? It's so hard to solve problems when you are the problem. Okay. Now does this one work? No! Goddamn! Which fuck? Fuck! Fuck! Alright, I'm only doing this one more time. Nope! It's just not easy to solve. It's just a problem that is not easy to solve. I just don't know how to solve this problem. What the fuck is going on? What the hell is going on? Oh! Kisses. Get up. Get, get off of the keyboard. Oh, I was this, this, this sound. Uh, this sound is on. I think. Uh, and let me let me turn the. Uh, I just my headphones are so fucking loud. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it, does it does it sound better to you now? You can't, can you, um... Uh, yeah, yeah, all right. Now I can really hear you. That's better? Better? Yeah. Okay. Kisses. Mrs. Kisses. Mrs. Kisses. They don't care. They have terrible breath. Come here, kisses. Don't step on the keyboard. I got you. Okay. <laughs> Coming out with kisses. New uh. Don't step on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> So we really started this way. This is Scotty Peterson. Oh, is <laughs> you know, this is Scotty Peterson. We used to be the co-hosts of Is That My Beer or Your Beer? Or yeah, is it is your beer? Your or, no, is that your beer or my beer? Podcast. Is that my beer? I have beers in the fridge, but uh, this is the healing club. It's the, the little simp parlor healing club. The, the simp club. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the simp club. <laughs> it's the uh, guys you don't want talking about what they can't get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! I forgot to. Well, to sound to fight it, got time. time. Oh, I used to remember. Tomorrow, I remember. I'm <laughs> What was that like? Uh, that one night when you were on uh, drugs and you just Which kept walking around uh, saying the wet ass pussy song for like three hours. We went to three different bars and you just kept repeating the same. You kept repeating the uh, Gwen oh, Stefani. Like, what was the out. Gwen Stefani song? You did she a mashup. You did a per no, but you mashed up the Gwen Stefani song with the uh, Cardi B song and. Uh, it, it and it this was just and it was an unending loop. Way. It was an unending <laughs> unending loop with the like. Yeah, I go down no about it. Girl, but I ain't no wet ass pussy. Yeah, so that was that was a long night. I remember that. I don't even remember that night. Yeah, you fell asleep at the bar. Which bar? Poison Girl. And then they they kicked us out of there. We but we met that one girl, Megan, who is Megan's a teacher, who used to be a teacher. Yeah. When was this? Was this soon? It was like three months ago, I think. This is bad. I 
pretty sure it did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then we yeah. then we went to. Remember that one time you and that girl disappeared in the back room, and then Max like called a lawyer. Like, uh, hold on. No, I was there. Everything was fine, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Kept from doing bad I kept you from fucking up again. Yeah. Pretty sure I would have been able to not do any bad things. Hmm. Oh my god. Oh, right. So, I, no, we don't do that in real life. Oh, yeah. Can we just uh, <laughs> like, kill ourselves? Uh, like, <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> no, I talk ourselves. about it all the time. I, I, well, I what smoke is this weed. target podcast for? This podcast is, a, I guess, it's about feelings. Yeah, and, but about and it's, feelings with what? Like it's about dealing. That aren't tied to marijuana. You just said you didn't want to talk to yeah. marijuana on the podcast. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's Oprah. let's see if you can Oprah go. Right let's, now? let's see if you can go five minutes without smoking. I'm 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 anxious. I'm gonna go to the beer and get a fridge, but uh, awesome. yeah, you hosted so the yeah. Let's just you hosted Rudyard tonight, and you were telling me about the guy that went up, and you were telling me that story as you were start as we were starting the podcast. You were talking about. Uh, the, the shitty intros you gave all night to most yeah. of the people that you had never met before. Uh, you yeah, didn't mostly the people I've never met. Yeah, you didn't oh, say you their full name. Intro. I don't even know who you are. Nobody knows who you are. Even yeah. the people that slightly know, they don't even know who they are. Mm-hmm. They're just I, your friends. Yeah, yeah, it's just people that I know their name. Yeah. So when you come up with like two different names, I can barely remember one of them. So I'm gonna say one of them. And then give you the satisfaction of going up and then like, that was shitty fucking bring up a whole whole. Anyways, what's the bill? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and nobody was more patient with you than the people at Boondocks, uh, than Scotty Peterson. <laughs> Scotty Peterson is more patient of the two of us. We were, we were the Boondocks open mic hosts were, for a yeah. couple <laughs> years, uh, alternate weeks. We were the Boondocks cans. <laughs> boondocks cans. Like, <laughs> uh, it was bad. We were not like. I can remember going to Boondocks and be like, fifty bucks. That was yeah. Imagine getting fifty dollars for doing bucks. that. That was cool. And they'd give you twenty five in drinks. Yeah. And then you'd spend your fifty on top of that, <laughs> and walk out of there nothing. Yeah, I I always I always tipped them twenty. I tipped the shit out of them. Yeah. I walked. I felt like they were like, overpaying me, so I would tip them it twenty. Doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, yeah. I want to go somewhere where somebody's like, "Wow, this guy who tipped the shit out of me is here. Let me feed him a bunch of drinks. I already know he's gonna blow his whole nut here <laughs> and tip me, the fucking idiot. Mm. And I want that. I want him to feed me with as much alcohol as possible so that I can get done with that show and yeah. not be like. That's the only way you're going to host. But then I started to realize that drunk hosting, I would get really terrible and annoying by the end. And, like, I just hated my own presence. Yeah. And, and so. You don't think that's So sober? I'd be tempted to let, like, P.E. Dobbles take over. P.E. Dobbles would be like, hey, I got I to take over. I got to host. Come on, let me host. And then I'd give him, like, 20 bucks to host the rest of the show once. Uh, like the the open mic and uh, and then every single week he was like I have to when he had he was like persistent and so he thought persistence was the key to getting better and just you know never asking uh, never like he he just like the worst PE doubles was kind of annoying I like him now yeah but he was when he a couple years ago he was annoying when he started comedy because he was like oh like so excited about doing it and he thought that like because he wanted to do it that meant that everybody that had to so let him do it what people being excited about comedy yeah the worst it's like, yeah that's real exciting cool you're two years in that's yeah. awesome wait till you're eight years in i've seen i've seen all different cycles of people go through the same stuff that you're do all one. doing like i like oh, beginner open mic comedy because yeah. it's like people you can tell who you can almost tell who's good like right from the start like who's gonna be seeing like the look on their face when they get off and they think they've done very well they're only about a year and a half in and it gives them a little gleam of hope like Mm. but then you realize like no you can't (laughs) i like it when somebody who's never ever funny does something like three or four months in that's finally like a really funny joke yeah and then they get the feeling of doing a really funny joke finally and a whole crowd (laughs) 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 but you get like a whole crowd laugh at something genuinely once and you realize that all the little like like brady bunch laugh track laughs you were getting for all the time until then like you you, when you finally get genuine laughs i really like seeing how that changes a person and how they become better at joke writing and it's it's like uh it's basically like 
taking a drug and getting a very good high. And then once you get that very good high, you're like, wow, I would love to keep that high. So then you pursue something to follow that high. So anyways, it's an addiction. <laughs> yeah, it isn't anything, wow. anything good is an addiction. It really is. Yeah, but it's, I, I, I think it's a lovely addiction. Do you yeah. think stand-up's a healthy addiction? Oh, I think it's, uh, yeah, in a lot of ways. It do compensates for how physically think. unhealthy you are and how emotionally but ravaged does it by... Or does it, uh, yeah. what is it, like, uh, cupolate? Oh, good word. <laughs> <laughs> cupolate? <laughs> Accommodate, uh, accentuate, um, uh, accumulate, acculturate? Does it exaggerate uh, your feelings of these are going, like, oh. no. I think everybody falls into the same trap of comedy. They do well. They kill. They want to keep killing. They try to keep killing. People encourage them. Wow, you're doing great. But then you realize, wow, you're like a drop in the bucket. You may not ever make it, but doesn't mean to quit. Keep yeah. going. But it's just fun from outside looking in like, <laughs> this guy thinks something's going to come of this. It's not. I'm going to yeah. be selling him coke five years later after he's still trying to do. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. <laughs> I just love taking pride in what I actually do and just being having fun in the moment and the process of being on stage and having a good set feels so good that I, I don't think I'll ever give up doing that. Why Whenever I have it? an opportunity, yeah, Why it's just fun to do. Why would I doing comedy? Yeah. Is it's all, the most prideful thing I'm doing right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I can always get fired from everything I do except for comedy. Yeah. I can always do comedy no matter what. It doesn't have to be, you know, obviously anything good. Mm -hmm. I can always go to an open mic and be sad. Yeah, you can get, you can do open mic comedy and force people to listen yeah. to it for as long as you want, but you have to be kind of good at it to be on shows. Yeah, but like kind then, of good means what? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I could be like to me being kind of good is putting suicidal thoughts at bay for about another week. You oh. know what I mean? Like when you go up and you do kind of well and you're like, Damn, yeah, I don't have to kill myself now. Bad. Yeah, I don't, you know. And then uh, you go and you do whatever bullshit's out there. But that's all I'm saying. Do you think comedy makes you go into more of those deep lows because of the experience of, you know? No, uh, no, no, no. Like, like, I got into comedy because of the deep lows. Yeah. You know what I mean? The deep lows are already there. Comedy's your only relief well, from you that. Well, comedy's my only high. I have so many deep lows that when I do comedy, it gets me that high up before I slip down and drown in the deep low. And then once the deep low, wait in it, bam, you do an open mic, maybe you do a bullshit show. Hey, maybe even get on the old improv, open it up for Slash and Gash. And the <laughs> next thing you know, you did 15 minutes and you got 80 bucks and you have 400 people laugh at you. And you're like, you know what? I'll kill myself next year. Yes, that is. Uh, and then, you know, just <laughs> having pride and respect in what you just exactly, did is yeah. enough to keep going. It is. Yeah. And, and I, you, you get more realistic goals and then the realistic goals become bigger and bigger and then you're making progress yeah. and it's a reason to keep trying it's uh right. yeah god my cat's annoying i'm uh, <laughs> walking all over where did you get that fucking shirt at it looks just like the uh shirt in dumb and dumber where you're sitting in the toilet <laughs> I look, like, I look like Jeff Daniels yeah, shitting in the like toilet while I'm wearing this. I well, I have been. Sh oh, that is a terrible image. I don't like look looking this. Right now, I know. I don't have to look it up. I, I remember. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Just different um, colors. Your sleeves should be blue. The top. Yeah, <laughs> it is an old Western shirt. Yes, it I, it's warm and it's cold out, so I put on a warm shirt. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm gonna go get a beer. This was the first uh, little fucking shit. All right. Recording on this one. Recording on this one. For some reason, this one is difficult. Is it because I have... Uh... Uh, 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 uh,
everything up real high. On this side. Nope. Nope. Okay, it's coming. All right, all right. It's good, it's good, it's good. It's really good. Uh, but now what happens is... I guess it's... Uh, I guess it's okay now. All right. Now, this is how people usually speak, but this is how I speak. Hey! I knew it! Dear Bill, there's a guy on stage talking about fucking his wife while she's lactating. And the four-year-old appears in the bedroom while there's a baby on the bed. Something about a creamy fish hook. I was thinking about that scream I yelled while I was on the phone with you the other day. All the things I told you in the week prior to the contest and the pictures with you know who mm, I won't say his name I'll never say his name main themes kept repeating themselves all day while I was at work running around picking up plates and telling people about the specials meanings of the words on the menu all the things I have to describe all the time waiting tables there's another awkward guy on stage right now basking in the negativity talking to people with their backs turned facing the world with confidence and earning nothing but hostility at best mostly indifference Instrument, um, big fake name, um, uh, can't say his name, um, a blank man, blank, blank, blanky, blank, blank guy, um, uh, the man we're talking about, the, the, the guy whose name I can't say, uh, never loved me. It was never even close. There was nothing I could ever do to make it better. All my creativity meant nothing to him he's forgotten about me it hurts he doesn't think about me ever he's never had a dream about me i've got to understand that he wouldn't have loved me if i'd won the contest i came in third there was no way i was going to win sandra d was always going to win I didn't have a chance. I knew that going in. But I wanted to remain friends. It still hurts that he'll never be my friend. I loved what you said about relationships having the capacity to heal. But uh, I don't buy it. I don't think there's any hope. Another guy is struggling on stage. I put him on his first show. He's a good guy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know whether or not um, the guy whose name I can't say. I don't know. I don't know whether he's a good guy. He's. Uh, the question is important to me. I want him to be good, but I still don't know. He's just a symbol fine uh, fap lube talking about fap lube uh, welcome to the healing club podcast the, the, healing, club. the healing club simp parlor it's we're all the um the simp lounge yeah the simp lounge <laughs> all the cucks sit around 
comparing bad stories of sad times and is what it, it the best defeat story yeah how is it more my fault than theirs uh that was uh, sorry to sorry to do that i was practicing a joke i steve cantwell and i went to an open mic tonight and uh and then i said that um i don't like it when people call me a simp that was my, that was my i just found out what that word means <laughs> i don't like it it used to be called a yeah. gentleman yeah simp is the new <laughs> cuck yeah yeah a cuck is somebody that likes to watch when somebody else fucks his woman but I think the I think the alt writers used to call people cuck when you know when they're crying liberal tears or something. Yeah. Because they're like, look at me, fuck your country, you cuck. And now it's like simp. Oh, you don't get what you want. The, I think simp is like. Uh, I don't know. I think it's easy to be a simp, and I know I I'm guilty of it. I know I uh, I've been hurt before by people that have, that I've liked more than they like me. Yeah. And I don't know. Sometimes you're just not the winner. Does it mean you're also, you know, toxic and violent and terrible and shameful and awful and dangerous or unsafe or any of these words just because I got my heart broken? Am I a terrible person? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do terrible things. <laughs> I just can't, I know. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a it's a loss and it's a broken world. You know, there's, uh-huh. there's no. Uh... If the good guy gets gets uh, wins in the end, it would be a, uh, a yeah. terrible fucking scenario. Yeah. If the dream, if you always get what you want in the dream, then then. That'd be nice. I guess I don't know. But you're 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 uh, convinced this is all a simulation. This is Steve Cantwell. Yeah. He's uh, shared lots of stories about his uh, crazy drug trips and DMT <laughs> and salvia. Salvia, 10 years lost in an alternate reality with an entirely different career and a set of friends and a different yeah. wife. And eight wait. years, never, not a wife, but I worked in an apple orchard for eight years. Okay, well, well let's seconds. go back to the... <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you want to go back to the whole... I yeah, brought it up, so we got to... We gotta, yeah. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, just salvia. Salvia is one of those things that just fucks okay. with, the, with the time of things. So you can live a whole lifetime in a few seconds. And that's what I've did, and a lot of people have done that. Mm. Yeah, and it, it it's just like dreaming, I guess. I, I have yeah. uh, I have dreams where they just feel just as real as life. Yeah. Where I'm flying, and I think it just turns the yeah. volume up on that. Yeah. Whatever your brain can do naturally, it just uh, does it with Carlyle on that salve. Mm. Well, I've never done it. You I've should never do it once no. when you're terminally ill. Yeah, I guess that's when I'm gonna do it next. Seriously, if they when the doctor ever tells me, "Hey, that lump under your armpit, that's uh, six months, buddy." Yeah, I'm gonna go get me a big old bale of salvia, <laughs> and just because uh, you could ride the light, you could live, you could live a thousand years in a day, easy. Just keep waking up and yeah, shocking yourself. Days. It's like it's yeah. like that movie Flatliners, yeah. where you go into. Do you remember that old movie Flatliners? Yeah, oh, yeah. Jamie Lee, uh, Jamie Kurtz. Oh yeah, Jamie Gertz. Yeah, I I thought you were gonna say Jamie Lee Curtis, and you're like totally wrong, because because I heard somebody over. I over. I'm a movie nerd Mm -hmm. when it comes to bad movies. I I have an encyclopedic knowledge of all bad movies, and I heard these people earlier today talking about this movie. Oh, you ever see that movie, The American President? It's with Kevin Klein, where he's just a regular guy and he's walking around, and he's. It was a really good movie. I'm like, that's not the movie you're thinking of. You were thinking of. (laughs) Michael Douglas and Annette Benning, but that was Dave with Kevin Klein and I, I just they both agreed to it was it was I was overhearing two people like lie to each other about the same thing, acting like they both had seen the movie, but neither one had seen it. Meanwhile, Kevin Klein is a fantastic goddamn actor. And where the fuck is he right now? I don't know. Fucking Phoebe Cates. No, he's oh that's why he turned into Dixie Chicks. Oh, I bet I bet it was nice back in the eighties. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'd like to be the guy fucking Jamie Kurtz now. Jamie Kurtz. Oh, I don't know. I bet it's still good. I don't know what life is like after fifty. Why don't you tell me more? All right. Fucking horrible. <laughs> what are you? Fifty-two. Oh, fifty-two in January. Mm. And bro. Yeah. It feels like the ebb of humanity. Are you, are the years just going by faster and faster? Yeah. Yeah. Going by faster and faster, and the world seems stranger and stranger, and it seems more yeah. in a hurry to leave me behind. 
by yeah. just uh, you know you just you can't even get a handle on the way the language is going, alone music or pop culture. It's just it's too fucking fast that you check out at a certain point. I've needed glasses for five years. I you know I mm. almost don't know what's happening in the world. Yeah, Ooh. I I I um I I think I'm aware, but I'm really only fixated on the stuff that I care about. And that's such a limited window into what is like a much. Uh, I I wonder if a I, th- I think the more upset you get and the more in your feelings you get, and this is why people hate simp's, <laughs> is is uh, the more you think that your problems are just so devastating and unique, and and like and that these people that have been mean to you are are worse than anyone's ever, like Hitler. They're worse than Hitler. My ex, that girl didn't call me back. That's like you know a war crime suddenly and uh it's just you just have no idea what other people are going to you have to understand that other people have their lives going on and you're just interrupting them if you're not a part of somebody's life don't force yourself into somebody's life i wish i knew how to do that i i hold on to like i can't handle the word no from people and and i'm just so like but you don't understand i'm like no the thing is i don't understand i don't know how to except no like a, like a non-judgment it's not no because you're a loser it's not no because you're unattractive or i don't think you're smart or you're never i just i it's you're just not for me yeah and uh it's so hard to understand that if you want it to work yeah yeah i mean it's just you know god damn there was this girl when i was in hawaii there was this tiny person that i used to uh i, I didn't i can't say that i ever dated her but I was best friends with her, and I was just hopelessly, just hopelessly lost in love with her. I don't know if it was because she was so small. You know, I'm a short person, so it is a podcast, and I'm like five, I'm probably five four or something like that, if I'm if I'm honest with the world. And that this girl was like, uh, was like, like four eight or something like mm-hmm. this. It's on the tall end of a little person scale, but it was like the perfect height so that she was like. You, know, you felt like a big man. Yeah, she could yeah. wear she could wear high heels, and I didn't mm. you know have to look up at her. And for some reason, that just really was attractive to me. And she thought that I was fantastic, uh, you know, company. But she just never felt romantic to me, and I took that so goddamn hard, dude. So I know exactly what you're talking about. How it's it's hard to hear no sometimes because you know there was just nothing that I could do to make it so that she would like me in that way. Mm. And it was one of the hard, and I was a grown goddamn man. I was in my forties, you know, and I should have been able to accept the fact that she just wasn't into me that way. Yeah, uh, I think it's harder to accept things like that in your when you get older, when you're late thirties, early forties. Maybe I think it's hard because you're like, well, this is my last chance for anything good to happen yeah. sexually. This is the I'll never have any real fun again for the rest of my life, and I the whole uh, you know journey is just uh, just gonna be like you know retirement home from this point on after this love doesn't work out yeah and um you know i may as well be dead oh, i'm gonna go shoot myself oh god it's your yeah. fault fuck you yeah like yeah i've had all those thoughts and you know yeah. and, and i and i think i think you're right it probably does get older because there's less time to do it over again so you lose you lose hope a little bit i got married when i was right out of high school you know and uh, and stayed married until i was 40 and uh, so those 21 years that I was married, when it ended, you basically, f- I felt like, you know, I was 40. And so I was yeah. like, well, that's probably it for me. You know, I'm probably nobody is ever going to, I'm never going to have a 20, probably never likely yeah. going to have a 21 year long relationship. I'm never going to have a real life porno fantasy come true. <laughs> I'm 40. Nobody's going <laughs> to. Like, there's a lot of kinds of porn out there. I know, but there's the good porn that everybody wants to see. And then there's yeah. the. Ugh, pretend to like this just so that I can feel like I'm not alone. I have <laughs> the advantage of the fact that I was never attracted, you know, so I just, so I never had to experience what it was like to lose that. The people that are attractive and lose it have it the hardest in this world, mm. you know. In some ways, it was, it was you know, John Monet Ramsey was in some ways lucky to die as a child because it was just going to all downhill after that. You were a beauty queen at four. Yeah, and well. And a long drift after mm. that child stars they have it the, yeah. the, you see them they have the, they have it the hardest 
the people that I knew, because I was a child actor when I was a kid. Are you kidding? I didn't. No. Is that like another thing I didn't know about you? Yeah. Child I was, actor. I was a very serious child actor. Which which show was it? Eight in a, eight is enough. I was never in that D- show. Different spoons. Um, I, I did a I did a re- pilot for Nickelodeon that never got picked up. You can't do that on television. Watermark. It was it was at the time that Nickelodeon was accepting pilots for the you, you can't do it on television. It was a, it was for I guess a rival show that was going to take that time slot and, and you can't do it on television uh, uh, took its place. But I was a I was a, you know as a professional working. Um, musical theater actor as a, as a kid and would tour around with these uh, traveling shows of uh, the Broadway versions of shows and just they, they would put together like a traveling show and you would go be in the music man for the summer or you know Macbeth mm. spent, spent one summer and the, there's two children in the cast of Macbeth and like 150 guys and, yeah. and so I and me and my little brother were, and we were on stage for five minutes but they just tour all summer with the uh who are the children in Macbeth? I can't. It's I, Macduff's kids that Macbeth has murdered. Okay. And they don't. I, I think. It I thought that was wrong. Richard the Third, where where Richard the Third murders the one kids. I don't know. Well, it was. A, but it, yeah, it, I think he. It, 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 those are recurring themes. It, it, the you know the evil king murdering the kids, but. Yeah. Yeah. But it was you know my dad was a yeah. a, a Mark Twain impersonator and and, and had this huge. The highest ideal that you could aspire to in my family was to be famous. My dad was a was a Mark Twain impersonator, and uh, would take us to these auditions. They would put us in acting classes and singing lessons and tap dance lessons as soon as we were born. You know, and I had four sons and just did that with all of us and would take us to these auditions. And my brother Mark got music lessons for in every kind of instrument that we could handle, and just um, with a real purpose, they tried to raise us famous well was that i i read a biography of ludwig wittgenstein and uh all the sons in that family were raised to be piano prodigies oh really and uh and three of the the brood three sons out of the brood all committed suicide in different ways and because they were just and there's so much pressure yeah to be perfect (laughs) (laughs) i'm the only one yeah I've only ever been expected to suck. <laughs> I've only ever been. Uh, freedom to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, the, and the, of the four of us, you know, there were there were two of us probably that were better than the other four. And uh, you have a great singing voice. I I was surprised you could just sing Queen at karaoke like perfectly, and. Uh, I was uh, it was so funny at the gay bar karaoke we went to, where uh, nobody was paying attention to you and you were doing a perfect queen and and then you were so good but everybody was just completely. I loved it. Yeah, I I I loved seeing you get ignored. What more do you want? And you're doing it. You're nailing it. But isn't this your national anthem? Yeah. And then and, I, and then a guy got up after me and sang the old rugged cross and just brought the fucking house up. Yeah. People standing on chairs. Well, they were his playing. friends. Yeah. Hey, you're, you were just not part of the group. And we'd also tried to do stand-up comedy at them, and they didn't like that. Oh. So they're not gonna like anything you do after an audience them. doesn't like you. Doesn't you can't redeem yourself? Don't you know this? Yeah. <laughs> like, I lived for weeks after that night. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was a hard crash. Was, um, they, well, they hate everything about you. They hate your comedy. They hate the way you sing. Yeah. They want you to get the fuck off the stage. Everything that I thought mm. I knew about gay culture was yeah. right out the window. That was always my favorite to just invite people to go and do that. Be like, oh, I want you on this show on Thursday. It's not a show. It's just like the only people that I can get to come to it. And the only pleasure that I got out of it was watching him go through the worst experience he can go through in comedy of uh, people actively hating you and heckling you and despising you for no good reason and no matter what you say they don't listen and uh that place has got to be closed now, right? <laughs> no no it's still it's still do they have a kitchen no no oh no it's it's open they have a food truck outside oh, so so, so now they do uh now they do karaoke like five nights a week <laughs> they gave up on uh stand-up yeah because okay. uh because the proud boy guy kept coming to the stand-up thing oh i missed the proud boy yeah he was the worst he was terrible they hate him worse than they hated me uh yeah 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 i think everybody hated him i, I didn't nobody felt felt any particular malice toward you they just That's didn't worse. listen to you they That's just worse. they just but uh, in some ways worse than yeah, hating you but i felt 
I did my uh, I did my part for the Houston comedy scene by calling out the Proud Boy guy who had a Proud Boy tattoo, who would go to all the mics and uh, try to spew his hate, and uh, but like off stage he'd, he'd do like the most unobjectionable nice guy humor when he's on stage but then off stage he's like trying to talk people into being nazis and stuff and um i was i i uh i just Is he gone? yeah he just well he was so unfunny that he stopped going out but uh like the uh i i i did a thing last night. i have this i have this problem i think with righteous anger and sometimes i i i take advantage and i go like i want to be I think it's a like I want to get attention for myself by acting like it matters more to me than anyone else. But I I went on the comedy scene in Houston site and was like, just for your information, this guy sucks and he's a proud boy. And I run a open mic at a gay bar and an open mic at a different bar and he won't leave me alone. And he keeps bothering me and harassing everybody. And I just hate his beliefs. And I don't think he's objectionable on stage, but he's just a terrible person. And I wish nobody would ever book him. And uh, and like did they ban him? No, nobody. I just, I just made it. He then, then he started fighting with me, and he threatened to kick my ass. And then he showed up at uh, the gay shame parade show at the secret group that I was, I was hosting. And he was like, "I'm gonna fucking kick your ass." And I was like, and then I got up on stage and talked about the whole thing. And it was unfunny, and it just was no intro for a comedy show to be like this, this shitty person just threatened to fucking beat me up. But. <laughs> I don't know, um, but it was just wrong energy for the crowd because I think half the crowd was more like Proud Boy kind of Trump supporting, and and I I always forget that other people don't believe everything that I believe and they aren't all thinking the same things concurrently that I am going through in my head, and so I just share my head with people as if it's like sharing you know with somebody whose point of view is exactly the same but it never is and i don't like i I just have a real problem reading the room sometimes and i went up telling a room fuck this proud boy guy not realizing that half the audience from the show prior was more like proud boy kind of people that i and, and so i just started the show on a terrible note and hosted it terribly and then you know um but i'm not ashamed those are bombs that i'm not ashamed of sometimes you bomb and you're like it's the audience that sucks of course why is it that the bombs that we remember <laughs> the longest you know it's i can remember i can remember times that i bombed so keenly versus times that i did well those are just as fleeting as a rainbow they mm. seem to all blend into each other but the times when i just stood up there and died on the goddamn cross to everybody's sins those are the times that I just remember every excruciating fucking minute I ever did. I don't know. Maybe I just have somehow a more positive attitude than you. Maybe. I, 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 only, I only remember my favorite shows. <laughs> I only remember the times when I actually did well. Well, I mean, I, most, I mostly try to remember that. But, like, the other ones are just so many and so numerous. They all blend together and blur. And, uh, like, the bad shows or, like, the embarrassed shows where people walk up and go, Good set. And, you know, they don't mean it. And, uh i like it when you when uh, the worst is when you travel out of town with a friend and the two of you go go up on the same show and everybody from out of town goes up to the friend that you did the show with and says that was awesome and they say nothing to you and you're like it's not just he's more popular he just he's just better than me (laughs) he's just or she's just better than me i don't god i'm always gender pronoun biased patriarchy i don't know i'm i i say he too often excuse me sorry that was oh yeah what were we talking about outside about how we both wish it was the 70s and i was i was just barely born in the 70s but i bet it was a you know i'll tell you what it was like in the 70s i as a six-year-old, was allowed to walk a mile into town mm-hmm. alone to buy penny candy at the grocery store. Having cr- You needed to cross the street, the, the highway, so you had to push the button for the light to turn green. Alone, I was allowed to do this at six. So this is before yeah. anybody knew that people were stealing. I remember I was in... I was deep into elementary school when the whole stranger danger idea came forward and there was like posters everywhere. Don't get into vans, don't take candy from strangers. All that shit happened yeah. in the late 70s. It's been hard times for those van guys. Oh my God. Because those kids are always 
hyper monitored. They never walk miles and miles alone. Yeah. These six year olds. Um, I used to do that. That was an eighties thing too. Yeah. I I I remember nineteen eighty six walking up to the Dairy Queen when I was like six years old. I would uh I'd be uh I'd be on my own walking there. My sister worked there, and she'd be like, "Oh hi Bob, you stopped in. Oh cool." And uh, like yeah. I'm six. Like, like unaccompanied. Yeah. You saw like, that, now you would fucking call the cops. Yeah. Like, like if, if you were letting your kid walk yeah. across the street to the convenience store yeah. over there, a six-year-old, can you imagine that? Yeah. We used to do that. Yeah. I used, to, well, I used to walk like 10 blocks or yeah. across like three busy streets or something. <laughs> my mom had – when my mom got a divorce, she had four sons under the age of 12. And she just was like, well, I'm going to go to college. You guys, uh, you know – I'll see you early morning and late at night, and after that, other than that, you're on your own. And we just did. You know, we would we would we would cook food. We would uh, just you know, kind of like Lord of the Flies. But yeah, yeah, I watched I watched that movie Unforgiven recently with Clint Eastwood, it's such a good movie. where he he's just like, well, I'm gonna go off and kill this man now. He leaves the ten year old in charge of the eight year old, and then just goes off for a couple months to go kill a bunch of dudes that's my favorite and it seems the the most realistic because that's what you would do you know because back then you would just if you had to go off and do what a man's got to do you know you would just uh you would leave the 10 year old in charge of the eight year old and the 10 year old's been working like a goddamn man for the last four years (laughs) and so he's probably uh, more capable than most you know 35 year olds that i know and it's just it was a different fucking world then i mean yeah, I I don't envy him. I you were saying like oh I we were talking about how when did it all go wrong? It was wrong for the from the beginning yeah. of this country. Slavery existed, so it was always wrong there. And, and uh, the world, I mean, like, the world, slavery looks a lark compared to like to just the the rest of the the whole goddamn world is just such a fucking doggy dog fallen thunderdome of reality, yeah. just yeah. like taking advantage of other people. And you were born in the wrong place, so now you just you have to eat my shit the rest of your life. Yeah, and literally eat my shit. Yeah. I'm literally like there were the the human impulse to torture people weaker than you know like, is like to torture the weak is, is real strong. The yeah. pull of fascism is really strong. Yeah. I was you know everybody's amazed that we almost became a fascist country or that we kind of have been for a generation. I don't know, but uh, the uh, it's it's so easy to go there it's so easy to manipulate people and to just yeah. appeal to base instincts and anger and violence and you know xenophobia and you know uh, all that stuff is the most entertaining and and it doesn't matter whether it's whether you're logical if you're winning the entertainment game then then you're beating your competitors and you don't have to make sense that's what trump learned or that's what he that's what we learned from these these trump years is it like it doesn't matter whether you're right fuck you yeah (laughs) Um, the thing that scares me is the lesson that i learned from the trump years is how easy it would be for george clooney to take over the world well that that would be great news sure i don't know but you know (laughs) it would also be easy for somebody george clooney's smart he's like i mean he's like yeah but he's so charismatic and 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 doesn't put his foot in his mouth and is actually articulate that he would be able to just walk among us like a god if he ever decided to jump into the Uh-oh. political fray or anybody really anybody the the, the thing that that t- sold trump to us was his celebrity and i that makes me the saddest and also makes me the most scared for what's going to happen if somebody else sees that that's the lesson and somebody who you know what if keanu reeves just decides to make his move and just becomes uh, the next dictator of you know if you're the president of the world and if Trump was really had his shit together and was really articulate and was really a persuasive speaker, if you added all of that to celebrity, it's an unbeatable uh, it's an unbeatable combination. If if you had the moral vacuum that Trump has, and also a little bit of intelligence, and um, and then you could. How could anyone be worse than Trump is what you're trying to uh, I'm saying, describe? Well, or? I'm saying, what if Oprah wanted to be the president of the, of the United States? She'd be fantastic, and, uh, and, but she would absolutely – she could just walk on and do it. And at a certain point, there's going to be a tipping point where celebrities realize that they could just run the world if they wanted to, and they could, mm-hmm. ru- they could run for president. 
and win hands down. Well, if celebrities are running the world, then you realize that means that uh, it's all just theater. It's literally just theater. If the celebrities and actors are the only ones elected to office, and and, and so and it's so it's so it's already decided before it's, they get the chance to like that was the thing that was scary about Trump is like there's no way that anyone with any intelligent self-interest would put that person in charge unless what he was doing meant nothing at all. Yeah. And uh, maybe maybe the presidency does mean nothing at all and we're all just fighting battles that are merely like choosing sides in football. Yeah. And I, I'd like to think that it's a lot more important than that. And I do realize that it's a lot more, you know, like they're, I vote every fucking election. I, I, I consider myself, you know, uh, politically aware, and, and I think that my stance is important. I just, I don't, I, I, I don't like racism, classism, or you know, any kind of discrimination. I don't like, you know, I don't like arrogance that's undeserved, and I, and I like to see, you know, equal opportunity, or, or those are all important values to me. But I don't know that the fight for equal opportunity is ever a winnable fight. It's you're you're never gonna win it. But it it seems like that's the main battle you're 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 focused on if you're if you're a, you know independent minded and like a you know a serious person. I think that is a, but uh, but all, all serious battles end in futility because this is an absurd, terrible world. Well. And I, I see where you're coming from, and I agree with that. Although the thing that gives me uh, uh, hope is viewing the world on just stepping back and viewing it in not just in one human lifespan, but in say if you look at the world over the snapshot of the last thousand years, you know it's only gone in one direction. Yeah, it's only gone in the direction of people having more personal freedoms and having less tyranny in the world and less violence in every measurable way. The world is a much less violent place than it was a thousand years ago, and you know it's certainly arguable that it was that it's a much less violent place than it was a hundred years ago. Yeah, and so on. If you step back and and with enough perspective, you see that though in the in the in in the scope of, of one human lifetime, like you and I's lifetime, it, it it may seem futile because the struggle on the street level, like we experience it, just is a lot of st- steps backwards for every step forward. But it does seem like, as a species, that we are when we used to stand on either side of a fucking valley, my tribe and your tribe, and just run at each other with sharpened pieces of metal and hack each other's goddamn pieces. Not that fucking long ago. Yeah, and we the, used to. Uh feed poor children to dogs and yeah. you know bathe in their blood for ritual sacrifices and just not that long ago. yeah we had uh just everyday violence was uh everyday life yeah and it that's been 50 years since uh the violence of the 60s was kind of you know you read about the watts riots and yeah. uh or the uh you know, um newark and uh you know all the riots in detroit and uh, all over every city in the country in the 60s over the Martin Luther King being assassinated or, you know, lots of people died. Yeah. All this property was destroyed. Now, like, like a one one thousandth of the property destruction happens and you've got like these, you know, Tucker Carlson's out there calling it anarchy. But like yeah. there was real violence at one point, like cities were actually torn apart. And like, you know, yeah. you'd go outside and there'd be like a whole city in flames yeah. because of, you know, uh you just that that kind of that kind of violence is is totally down there's crime has been down for a whole gen like since the 90s yeah well you know it has been down since the 1890s (laughs) you know it's it's just on its way down the world is more and more safe and it just uh it doesn't feel like in some ways but but uh, there's more and more slavery now than there has been at any time in human history is that true i if if you count the people working for you know nothing in factories in china or you count people who have no choice but to you know live in like how many people live in tent cities or in you know like uh by that definition (laughs) every person that's ever lived on the planet back in the back in the good old days was a slave but i think there's a lot of sex slavery or in in 
I don't know. Maybe COVID ruined all the sex slavery and the sex trafficking. I don't know. I don't know what traditional marriage? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, uh, but I was, I was, I, I think sometimes about how far away from, you know, we're light years away from intelligent life, um, life forms in other galaxies and in other universes. Uh, the time it would take for, you know. A life cycle to complete and then to do something meaningful and, and for you know by the time planet earth's you know uh human history and all of humanity's records are you know zip drived and sent out into the internet and onto the you know, outer space like but by the time whatever we accomplish as a as humanity uh reaches anyone else it'll be you know light years away and and billions of years from now and and we won't ever actually i mean like i just i i sometimes think about how you know the whole thing is is just waiting to be consumed completely and even if you're shakespeare and and everybody reads you 400 years later four thousand years later nobody's going to be reading you well this is probably a simulation you know, we're probably only living the last few years in reality, and everything else from that has been backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think that there's a very good chance that like none of that really happened. And you don't think the uh, <coughs> you know, the Civil War and stuff happened? You, you don't think uh, it's probably a simulation? It's probably just mm-hmm. backstory. We're probably just playing some game, and that's part of the backstory. Is for, they, they, there's a whole culture that's been upgra- mm-hmm. uploaded into our vernacular so that we can it just makes the game more interesting it gives us it's a framework in which we're playing this game in but no there would be no but what do you say to like geologists who or 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 what do you know or or physical anthropology you know like like uh what 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 do they call uh whatever those uh crime investigations uh uh, you know where they they look at dna records and you know um forensic scientists what what do you what do you say to forensic scientists who prove by like without a reasonable doubt that there was a world in 1800 and and that these people lived there and, and these artifacts are, are are relics from the past but also were just as real as something you're holding in your hands right now exactly <laughs> it's something that i'm holding in my hands right now which is not real so uh, we're not really sitting in this room we're not really having this conversation this is a simulation but in jim carrey's head we're just all jim carrey's dreams I think I think that and a lot of there's been a lot of because uh, Jim Carrey was talking about this a lot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, oh. yeah, and and, and 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 you know he was in the Truman Show and people point back to that a lot and and uh, but yeah I think that and a lot of physicists think and I it always occurs to me when I take mushrooms that the singularity is near that this is no that this is just a game <laughs> that we're playing and everything else has just been uh, backloaded just like when you're playing Call of Duty you were you you never really were with your friends in World War Two. You know, you're just playing a game, and what are sim- what are games going to be like in a hundred years from now? Well, you're going to be you're going to feel like you're there, and part yeah. of feeling that you're there is forgetting that you're anywhere else. So you really feel like you're in a life and death situation. So you really feel, and you've got all this vernac- all this this backstory of oh, this is 1940s, and you know, Japan, you know, just bombed Pearl Harbor, and so you'll have all these thoughts and stuff like that that would be appropriate to that simulation. And that's a good game, and that's and that's where video games so, will go. And if they ever go that direction, what's to say we're not playing a video game now? So when somebody real in your life dies, do you think that's just a video game, or do you really believe that you can die just the same way that other people can die? Yes. Uh, and but do you do you think that uh, I just I don't think that the whole world started when I was born. I think it was all going along, you know, and, and that like, and that it, all of it was real two thousand years ago, four thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago, but um, I don't sure know. I don't know real. that it was a lot of fun. I'm not but, sure you and I are real. No. Oh, well, what difference does it make? That's the it real question. No yeah. yeah. Why are we arguing? Why are we fighting? Yeah. Why can't we all just get along? There's no uh, way of no. I mean, this is all just religion for atheists. You know, this whole simulation thing. Hmm. It's just, uh, just a way to cope with your own mortality. Right. The mortality you see everywhere around you. And to, com- and to some way comport the, the horror that you see everywhere in the world and try to put some sort of context in it that makes you not want to jump off the goddamn roof. Yeah. You know? 
I don't like to feel guilty. I think feeling uh, like there's just so much stuff out there that you just can't help but feel guilty about. I've heard you know, you can't flush the toilet without depriving somebody of water. You can't, you know, every, I hate walking outside and seeing homeless people go, Oh, could I have a dollar? And I just, I would like to, I, I wish people didn't have to be homeless. I don't think they do have to be homeless. I think, but it, it's just awful that some people don't have somewhere to go home, especially during a pandemic. But like, why does it have to only matter during a pandemic? Why do we have homeless people? Why do we have, you know, so many evicted and so many struggling and, and so much, you know, uh, when, when there are billionaires, why, why, why are there, why are there some with, you know, no way to possibly spend all of their money in 200 lifetimes. And then you've got most people with less than $500 in the bank yeah. and like, like with, with less than like, like, like just one emergency away from totally losing everything. That's, yeah. that's like more than half the country. Yeah. And then there's like, like just a tiny percentage of people who, could solve everyone's problems, but they don't want to make them, you know, morally addicted to, you know, uh, equal opportunity or good outcomes or, you know, uh, fulfilled potential. It's like if everybody fills their potential, then there aren't as many uh, spots for the people who already have what they have at the very top. Yeah. So self-interest of those who have the most means that everybody else will be deprived in order for me to keep what I have. Yeah. Well, I think in the next few years, you're going to see that they're going to have to, the, the economy has gone so sideways that you're, they're going to have to introduce some sort of a universal basic income, or they're going to have to get their head around some sort of a uh, revolution because you can't have this many homeless people in the world. If, if, if the CDC, something like 150 million American households face either, uh, eviction or losing their house over the over the net as soon as the cdc thing yeah and now that like you know 30 percent of the workforce was fired because of the pandemic and i've not really i'm I'm delivering food for the restaurant i used to work at but like i'm not making nearly as much money as i was when i was fully employed me too i don't know anybody that is yeah and and i'm just like well what are they gonna they've kept all the prices exactly the same and everything is just as expensive as it was before. And some people can handle it, but you know, not everyone and not most people. Most people are freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and the, the dumbest thing that they could do is have all those people become homeless at the stroke of midnight on oh, New Year's Eve. Yeah. I God, I was so terrified in April when this was all starting. And I was just like, oh, just I didn't know I was going to get $1,200. I didn't know I was going to start getting $600 a week unemployment. You know, that stuff really made life kind of awesome for a month. But, uh, but I know it won't last forever. But, like, that terror of being – having the rug ripped out from under me when I had, like, no way to pay my rent and I just look around, everybody else is going through the same thing. I'm like, what the fuck? We just can't go outside. We can't go to work. Uh, like, that – it just can't go on like that. And – um now that it's been long enough where we've habituated to, you know, the, uh, the immiseration of those who are homeless during the pandemic, like their, their plight is just going to be silent because it's not going to really matter to like the world as it's consumed on TV and during entertainment. And so like, it just takes a year to, to get people, you know, um, it's used to breathing the air of the kind of poverty that we have now. And it's not like the, the level of depression that we are living in now is something that hasn't happened to this country in a hundred years. And we're not really presented with that in our popular culture or on the social media or, you know, like what we're thinking about, we're not thinking in the terms that uh, of, you know, of of the, of the real world we're thinking I'm at least I'm kind of like lost in this, you know, I like to just, you know, zonk my brain out and then maybe read some weird stuff and draw things for six hours and, and just watch movies and, you know, like. That's what you should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I'll tell you something. And, and to, to argue to for the fact that the world has gotten to be a better place, this is far worse than the Great Depression was. And if this would have happened, 
if this level of a global economic collapse would have happened a hundred years ago, it would have been there would be starvation in the streets. There yeah. would be people eating their own babies. And they're going they will probably avoid the eat your own baby phase of this because we're so much and I'm, when I say we I say politicians in the United States and whoever is you know, controlling the strings that control the system. Whoever is controlling this, they are better at it. They, the, the lows are not as low. The highs are higher and the lows are not as low. And you see that happen over the course of, I don't, I don't know, maybe forever. Just slowly, every, every, the, the, the common man, the serf, like I consider myself, you know, if I would have been born, you know, hundreds of years ago, I would be a fucking peasant. I'm a peasant now, and I would have been a peasant then. And the life of the peasant has gotten infinitely more uh, livable. That's and more free. Yeah. My I was I I I don't have to plow a field. Yeah. I'll never know what it's like to uh go go without shoes. We've never known I've, real I've, hunger. Uh, yeah. We've never known the horror of I'm hungry tonight and I'm probably going to be hungry until spring. Mm-hmm. You know, and I you know, I would if I can catch a rat, I would eat it. You, you, that yeah. will I hope that that never happens to you and I but that was very commonplace over the last 5000 also, just you know, Soviet Union in the nineteen thirties, or yeah. uh, like the, the hunger is a is a tool that you can use to control people because people will do anything in order to get food, and yeah. and you can just dominate hungry people and and exploit their frustration and need and and dehumanize them, and then uh, once once you dehumanize an entire people, or I think that's the lesson of racism is like. Uh, or, or any kind of classism or any kind of like injustice is like what once once you're cruel to an entire group then that group is deprived and has worse outcomes and then you can be like see they weren't even trying because like, it's like you yeah. once once you like once once you hurt somebody and then they act hurt then you're like well they're just less than me because they're you know they, they lost the race because their leg was cut off. Or, you know, like, well, I mean, it's not my fault their legs are cut off. My dad did it. What it must be. Like, um, slower because he's out yeah. there. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, but by and large, I mean, we're sitting here. I mean, there are probably people in the world right now that had to experience real hunger and where, you know, there's flies drinking out of their eyes. But that's yeah. fewer and fewer people on the, on the planet every generation but the thing about the united states is like uh i've only really left the country once and when i was deployed to iraq and i saw that um you know i saw the poverty there of the bedouins and the you know people living in baghdad who had no access to you know sanitation or you know there there was just a like brownouts no electricity for months at a time and people people (laughs) i don't know but there was just shit flowing through the streets that was baking in the hot sun at 130 degrees and like kind of like you know creme brulee layers of like stink um uh, in certain streets and not not to call iraq but it was ravaged by uh years of sanctions and and two wars and and by the time i got there in 2003 and so you know, uh, civil service had not been efficient in, you know, maintaining basic infrastructure. Right. And, and I just saw a failed society and, and like up close and for real. And uh, and coming back to the United States, seeing everything work like so much more, like, like everything works smoothly and, and you turn things on and they, and they turn on and, they, you know, and you go outside and everybody has like most people have something to eat, but like, it's i i think that uh this country is not the envy of the world anymore we're becoming less and less like like jetsons like like uh, there are so many places in the world where like uh you know kids are smarter life is happier everyone is uh like cleaner and and, and nobody's as desperate and and the you you got to i i just i think we are we we think that we're exceptionally you know uh you know privileged but we are actually living l- less uh, we're we're living like south america in the 80s 
or something like uh we're, it's banana republic well we just have like a anti-democratic republican party and i don't know i like us I, <laughs> I, I still like us i still think that we're we're not perfect uh, but I still maybe am jingoistic enough to think that we are the best thing going. You know, okay. we're we're not perfect. We are not pure. We are not we uh we're not always on the right side of things. But uh, well, it's time to stop. All right, <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks, Steve Cantwell, for coming out and uh, sitting there and talking about whatever you think. All right, yeah, uh, Bob Morrissey. Follow you at uh, Steve Cantwell on uh, Instagram or Something some shit. Like that. Okay, Steve Cantwell. Bye.